Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, church. Is it okay with you if I make myself at home? Good morning, online church. Good to have you with us this morning or later this afternoon whenever you join with us. As Greg said, one of my great passions is evangelism, leadership, missions. But lately, one of my greatest interests is apologetics. Now, when you hear apologetics, you might think about traditional apologetics where people would store up arguments, great arguments, biblical arguments, to make a case for the faith. That is, when you're having a conversation with somebody who has doubts, with somebody who might be atheist, agnostic, with somebody who might be feeling othered by the community of faith, you present an argument to that person based on your research, based on your study of the word. That's traditional apologetics, but modern apologetics is a bit different. Because modern apologetics is not just for the atheist, the agnostic, the doubter. Modern apologetics is also for the Christian. So you might be thinking, why does the Christian need apologetics? Well, one thing I've experienced as a minister of the gospel, especially one who's interested in conversations that cause people or obstruct people from being able to take their next step in God, whether those people believe in God or not, is the fact that people have either doubts or people have disillusioned about Christianity. People who have disillusionment about Christianity are not just unchurched people. There are some Christians who have been Christian for a very long time who feel disillusioned by church, by theology, by some of their church experiences, but have no place to process that. And so apologetics, at least modern apologetics, is not just for the unbeliever. It's for the believer, too. Might I say it might be for you. And so some questions I have for us this morning as we kick off. The one is, why is it becoming or seemingly becoming popular for people to want to be Christian without the church? That is, why is it becoming popular for people to want to be submitted to God but dissociate from the community of God? Why is it becoming popular for people to emphasize this private personal relationship with God that seems to be anti-community? That is, me and God not me and the community of God. These questions are not happening in a vacuum. These questions are not isolated. Dare I say these questions are questions we're asking personally. Where do Christians who are doubting, hurting, have questions go? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning And God, we just cry out for your presence, Lord God. We cry out for your word, that we wouldn't just hear your word, but that we would be affected by your word. Father, I pray that the demonstration of the word, Lord God, would come with signs and wonders and miracles. God, that we wouldn't just speak about a God who's not in the room, but Father, that you would come and meet with us. Father, this morning as I came into the room, I heard you say this is holy ground. And so, Father, I just declare that people would encounter you tangibly this morning on this here 
holy ground. Father, I pray for a time of communion, that we would commune with the triune God and that we would commune with each other. Heal us, Lord God. We are your body. In Jesus' name, amen. So we start by talking about the resistance to community, talking about honoring the community of God, starting by talking about the resistance. And there are different kinds of resistance. There's external resistance, there's internal resistance. And external resistance is ideological things or cultural societal things that are happening that cause a resistance to us existing as a community of God. Those look like um, individualism is one that you might be familiar with, even if you don't call it that. What that looks like is individuals are more important than community, right? So the worth and value of the individual is far greater or exceeds the worth and value of the community. And what the consequences of that ideology is that groups of people are considered to be dangerous or groupthink. You know, people are running away from communities that think the same, that believe the same, that gravitate towards a certain kind of behavior. That looks like people emphasizing their beliefs, their truths as superior to any group truth. So that looks like there is a line that you cannot cross in conversations with me, and that line is when you are trying to influence my thinking with your thinking. So that's an individualistic worldview philosophy. Now, I want to say that I don't think that things in culture are all bad. Some cultural things are good for us as the church for accountability. You know, sometimes the church can be stuck in groupthink. So it doesn't necessarily mean that all of the things that are found in culture that are external pressure to us existing as a community are bad. However, there are things that are pervasive in culture that infiltrate the church that are contrary to scripture. And so we need to be careful what are the things we're absorb, absorbing from our culture. And to be careful is to be careful of your social media content. Because you know those little blocks with cute writing and flowers in the corner? It's theology, right? And it's informing how you think. So you're like consuming this theology from the world, telling you my truth. Yeah, it's a broken ideology. <laughs> the other one is a suspicion of organized religion. So previously, atheism used to be, I don't believe in God. Atheism used to be, I don't recognize any deity or any sort of spiritual superior being. Now, atheism is not only do I not believe in God, but I believe people who believe in God to be dangerous, right? So if you think about groups, when people think religion, they think of people bombing other people. They think of people who are intolerant. They think of people who other other communities who are not belonging to the community of faith. So now not only is believing in God a preference, it's considered the pervasive ideology to be dangerous. And so community, any form of community is dangerous. That's the theology of the day, the pervasive ideology. And so as I talk about honoring the community of God, this is the external resistance that this word receives. The internal resistance is us, ourselves. So you've got sheep bite, you've got wolves in sheepskin, then you've got careless shepherds. That's not mine. I took it from a great friend of mine, Pastor Sivue. Sivue, credit to you. So those are the three categories, and I'm sure there are more, but just summarizing the ways in which our community internally can be broken. So sheep bite 
is we are here together as imperfect people pursuing this perfect God, trusting him to form us in his image. But we all know that that does not happen the moment you walk in through the door. And so there's this process of transformation that we are all undergoing as we submit to Christ that has different timelines. And so as that is happening, we are relating with one another and we're relating broken as we are, healing in process, but not yet there. And so we hurt each other. I, the first time I joined a clinic group on campus, I joined the group and the ladies, they're fantastic. And then they start like, they're confessing their sins, I think. And like, they're like, oh no, this one is just saying how, you know, she's really trying hard because doesn't want to kiss her boyfriend before she gets married. I was like, what's going on? Where am I? What are these people talking about? And immediately, like, I went to my other friends and I was like, I think I joined a cult because there are these group of ladies who seem to think that there's something wrong with kissing their boyfriends. What's going on? You know, and now those ladies were being vulnerable. You know, they were being accountable with their walk with the Lord. Me, full of sin and fire from the hell that I just walked out of coming into the church. I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> right? And that person who is sharing their life, their intimate story, bearing all, as the Bible is commanding her to, and me, with a very low appreciation of what's being offered at this table, taking it for granted. Nobody, well, nobody ill-meaning, but consequences of existing in a broken fellowship, pursuing a perfect God. And then you have wolves in sheepskin. Now, these are people who are intentionally ill-meaning, disguising themselves as people of the fellowship. Ill-meaning, wicked, intention to harm, but exist in this community as those who are part of the brotherhood, the sisterhood. And then we have shepherds who are careless. So these are the, the resistance that we're exploring, that we're talking about as we go through this word. So I want to reflect from Scripture. When we look at the Word of God and we think about church and fellowship and community, the first reference that people usually talk about is Acts 2. Pastor Gloria mentioned it as she was talking about Holy Communion. In Acts 2, the inception, the genesis of the church, this awesome time, Holy Spirit gets poured out. Holy Spirit almost initiates the community and the church is born. And then in Acts 2, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread. They had everything in common. They shared everything. So when we dream about the church, a lot of the times we mention that scripture. But what happens after that scripture, after Acts, you have like Romans, you have Corinthians, you have Ephesians, you have Galatians, you have a church that is a mess. You have a Paul writing a letter to remind the church about Acts. And so that should let us feel or at least believe that we're existing in good company. Nothing that we're experiencing is new. So we should be able to read the text and see ourselves and see our experiences and know that our experiences are valid. The word is validating our experience. It's saying you're not crazy for feeling that some of the things that are happening are crazy. You're not crazy for seeing something wrong. You're not crazy for feeling hurt. You're not crazy for experiencing something that is other from the word and, and feeling that disconnect. The word is saying you're in good company. But the word is also directing us to a solution. It's also directing us to the way out so that we don't just remain disgruntled or post on social media, there's a way. So we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians 12, if you could read with me. Just as a body though one has many parts, 
but all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. I just want to pause there. Verse 13 says, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. That means the body that is the church is not an organized religion that somebody created. That is, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. This body was initiated by the spirit of God. It was no one's good idea. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable, we treat with special modesty. Oh. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together. But God has put the body together. But God has put the body together. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, if one part suffers with it, then the whole body suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So Paul is reminding them who they are. In Genesis 1.26, it says, then God made man in his image, male and female, he created them. So it means that man on the earth is an image, a reflection of God. That's us. We reflect who he is. We, when people look at us, they get a reflection of who God is. Now, this passage is saying we are his physical body. Members, individual members, when put together, make up the body of Christ. And so, if there is a member of the body that separates from the body, it's no longer the body. It says it's not possible for the body to be a body without its members together. And then it says, 
If the foot tries to dismember itself, it's not possible. It's not possible. In the same way that you can't cause division in the Trinity, how do you separate God, the Father, from the Son? So he's saying, how are you trying to cause a separation in my body? It's not possible. You cannot separate yourself from a body. It's not possible what you're trying to do to be a Christian without the body. It's not, it says it's not possible. And so what would have to happen for you to separate yourself from the body would be to separate yourself from the head, who is Christ. That's what it would mean. Because he also says that, that the, the, the bride, the church is my bride. Are we trying to separate Christ from his bride? The Christ that we love, that we have pledged allegiance to, we want to hang out with him, but not his bride? How do you think that sits with him? If he has said, this is my bride, when Paul was persecuting the church, Christ said to Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Me. Why are you persecuting me? And so the Lord is inviting us to be restored in communion, but to be restored to communion. Because communion starts with a communion with the Trinity. We are in communion with the triune God. We're in fellowship with the triune God. And from that fellowship, God leads us into fellowship. From that community that is God, he leads us to community. Now, I have been part of Every Nation for about a decade or more, and in that time, I've been a part of three Every Nation churches, and I can tell you there is no perfection detected, zero. <laughs> zero perfection. Z zero. Sheep bite, wolves, careless shepherds, all of it. I didn't choose to join this house. God called me to it. And so because God called me to it, when those things happen, I complained to God. Because this is your bride that's behaving like this. This is your bride that is feeling so offensive, so dismembered, so out of touch with the actual God that they say they serve. But I didn't choose. I didn't have a catalog of churches and which one do I like? God called me here. And so I can't dismember myself until he calls me elsewhere. So the question is, have you been called to this community? Have you been called to member yourself to this body, this house? Because if you have, you cannot dismember yourself if you didn't member yourself. And if you've been called, it's similar to being birthed into a house. The issues of that house are your issues. The dysfunctions of that house are your dysfunctions. But that house, the solution for how that house will be in the future is also yours. It's in your hands. We're responsible. We carry the weight of what it is to be a community. God wasn't inviting us into some sort of hierarchy. He was inviting us to be a community. Love this. The reason there are so many exhortations in the New Testament for Christians to love one another is because the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It is made up of natural enemies. 
What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationalities, common accents, common jobs, or anything else of that sort that binds most groups together. Christians come together not because they form natural collation, but because they have been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him common allegiance. In this light, we are a band of natural enemies who love each other for Jesus' sake. It's not for our own sake. It's not for the sake of the city. It's for the Lord's sake. It's for the Lord's sake. Do you know that we grieve differently? Do you know that during lockdown, we've experienced loss differently, some people more than others, and we have offended each other deeply by not showing up for each other in the way that everybody grieves? When I lose someone, I need all of you to come tomorrow. <laughs> or tonight, as soon as you hear the news. What do you mean you're sending me a WhatsApp? <laughs> when am I going to read it? Come. And for other people, you need to wait to be invited. So, we're here together for the Lord's sake. Not because we do things the same. Not because we see things the same. Not because we worship the same. For the Lord's sake. Because he has called us to member together and become his body. Not for our sake. For the Lord's sake. So what do we do with the sheep bite, with the careless wolves, and the careless shepherds? Because that's also real. I mean, I've preached up a storm. But the experience is still real. The hurt and the disappointment is still real. And so for me, it's really been forgiving people for not being God. This is sheep bite, right? It's understanding that in the same way that I've been deeply offended by people, I have deeply offended people. Not intentionally. And so it's that we're pursuing Christ on mission together, and it's not always going to be perfect. So forgiving you for not being God, and please forgive me for not being God. Please forgive me for taking long to get my righteousness together. Please forgive me for being different and not understanding your love language. What do we do with the wolves and the sheep's skin? I think we need to excommunicate them because they threaten the safety of the sheep. Intentionally so. So the problem with the wolves is the intentional malicious wickedness. And this is a space of vulnerability, a space of, for those who are broken, who I need. And therefore, according to scripture, I think we need to excommunicate them. When there are activities that are criminal, abusive, violate people, we need to be accountable in this regard. And then, as shepherds who are careless, we need to repent. We need to lead the sheep well and drive out the wolves. And so I became a campus missionary at 22 years old. That is, I was a shepherd at 22. 
I don't need to tell you that there were times when I was careless. Just some pure immaturity sometimes. Zeal without experience, uh, passion for God without enough theology. Acting and executing without waiting on God. Irresponsible and careless, but sincere in heart. I've had to have conversations with some students in years to come and going, I know you wrapped your life around some of my bad theology. I'm sorry. Bad theology. Fire for God, well-meaning, bad theology. I myself have sat in disciplinary hearings for rebuke as a shepherd with other shepherds because, no, ma'am, So if we don't have a culture of repentance and a culture of forgiveness, this body doesn't work. The whole concept of this body is that we are all a work in progress together. And although we have this word that is our standard and we want to hold each other to it, and we should, the other realities were sinful, broken people who are well-meaning but don't always get it right. So from a shepherd to the community of God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for the times that I led in confidence but didn't know enough. For the times that I wasn't sure but charged ahead anyway. And on behalf of my colleagues who are together with me in arms here in our Every Nation family, we too are sorry for the ways in which you have given us weight and authority and we haven't met that expectation. For the ways in which you have expected spiritual authority and maybe haven't received it. I'm really sorry. And I'm sorry on behalf of my brothers, my sisters, my colleagues. And for the Lord's sake, would you please forgive us? For the sake of the body, as we are membered together, please forgive us. And so repentance for me is to agree with God. There's a scripture in Job that says, agree with God and be at peace. And what that is for me is when I'm outside of God's posture, when I'm outside of God's obedience, I'm in, I'm in rebellion. But once I agree with God's perspective, I agree with God's solution for the church, I agree with the way that God has chosen to heal the broken world through his church, I agree with God's word, even the places that I don't prefer it. I agree with God's community that he's chosen me and placed me into, even if I don't always like it. I agree with God and I'm at peace and I live in repentance. Colossians 3, 12, 13, put on then as God's chosen ones, you guys are God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complaints against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. It's for the Lord's sake. Not for their sake, not for the shepherd's sake, not for every nation's sake. For the Lord's sake. 
as a conclusion. The church, we are a communion because we are created for holy communion with God and with each other. In the way that God designed it, none of us can be fully human on our own. None of us can be fully human on our own. That's his design. For Christianity to have full expression as God intended it, we have to recognize the barriers to community, confront what is broken, forgive where we've been disappointed, rebuke and act where there's been an abuse of power and an abuse in relationships, restore broken fellowship, heal, and be fully present within the community of God. Do you know that if you have been treated unjustly and you respond from that place, it doesn't mean your response is just? Some of us feel like because we've been hurt and wounded, our responses are godly. The only way your response will heal is if you respond to God within the fellowship of God. So you confront the person who has offended you. You bring your suggestions to the leader. You express your disgruntlement to the relevant people. And if it's still not working, you take it up with God for the Lord's sake. Any other response is breaking the fellowship even more and breaking you. Because what breaks the fellowship breaks you because you're a member of the body. And so, let's take some time to commune with God and reflect on the word and repent where we need to. The broken church breaks us because we're members of the body. So the broken church is not a brokenness that's, not, that's outside of us. If the church is broken, it affects us personally because we're members of it. Therefore, can we be a part of the healing of the broken church? Because the healing of the broken church is our personal healing. It's intertwined, it's one. Can we have conversations about our hurt, our mistrust, our brokenness, our disappointment? But the place where we start is the Lord, because it's for the Lord's sake. So can we pray? Yeah, so, so Father God, we, we cry out for mercy, Lord God. The season has been long. The season has exposed things about our hearts, about our nature, about our culture, about our systems. Things that don't always reflect who you are, mighty God. And so, Father, we come together and we cry out for mercy. Father, I pray now, Lord God, for healing in Jesus' name. That you would heal disappointment. God, that you would heal us from every unmet expectation. Father, that you would heal us from perfectionism. Father, that you would heal us, Lord God. Restore us to who you have called us to be, Lord Jesus. Father, I release, Lord God, grace to forgive in Jesus' name. Grace to forgive in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that everybody would show up in this house authentically, Lord God. That there would be no barrier to authentic faith in Jesus' name. God, I rebuke the enemy in this place in Jesus' name. Father, I rebuke every bit of personal and corporate resistance that this house has experienced in Jesus' name. Father, we choose to agree with God and be at peace. We forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I speak a grace for difficult conversations. Father, I speak a grace for confrontation. Father, I speak a grace for mending walls. God, I, I speak a grace for rebuilding. Father, I pray that we wouldn't be anti-establishment, anti-community, anti-everything that is you. God, I pray that even as we navigate culture, that you would give us the wisdom to know what's you and what's not. Father, I pray for good filters as we consume everything that the world has to offer. God, I pray for godly filters in Jesus' name. Father, may, may Jesus be our perfect theology. May we be Christ followers authentically and fully, Lord God. Authentically and fully, Lord God. Member this community, Lord God, together as your body. Member this community as your body. And God, I pray for a grace that will allow us to be a home for those who have no home, for those who are feeling ostracized by the church, for those who are feeling othered, Lord God, by the church, for those who are feeling judged by the church. God, that as we love one another, your word has promised that by this shall the world know that you are my disciples because of how you love, through your differences, because of how you love, through your pain, because of how you love, through your brokenness. By this shall others come to know your light. And so, Father, we call them in in flocks and herds. Lord, may people come into this house, different as they are, challenging as they are, but give us the grace to minister through our love, Lord, in Jesus' name. I just want to give some time for you to just say something to the Lord. If the Lord is prompting you in a specific area, won't you just lift that up? It doesn't have to be loud. You can mutter it in your heart, but just feeling time for personal business with God. If God is asking something of you, won't you agree with God and be at peace? God for mending every broken place. Holy Spirit, come and continue the work that you have started here, Lord God. May we be the community of faith that you've called us to be. In your holy name, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. May he bless your coming in and your going out now and forevermore. May this blessing extend to you and your family, your children, their children, and their children. In Jesus' name, amen. Just give the Lord a hand.